All right, we are back for another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. Per usual, I am joined by my lovely companions. Warren, how are you today? Good morning. I feel like that song that everyone uses on Instagram should come on. You know that good morning song? No, no reference. Is this a TikTok reference? Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, it's morning, it's early, but good morning, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Amy? Lauren, I see your 8am and I raise you seven. (laughs) (laughs) And a lingering nasal voice. I tried to pick a time that wasn't like crazy early for all of us because I was like, ugh, I wish we could do 8 a.m. Latvia time, which would be 6 a.m. for. Oh, for dear Amy. Lord. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, this is okay. Like, I get up early, but six would be a push. Like, if you want me to actually, you know, be coherent, that's not happening. To be so. fair, you are a Girona, sorry, slash Banyolas person, and waking up at seven is just kind of unheard of, isn't it? <laughs> Really? No, I don't know. Out in Banyolas, we do. We rise early. You rise early. <laughs> no. It's a totally different town. The whole, yeah, it's a whole, whole of the world. All right. We've been sufficiently sidetracked per usual. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into a whole lot of news, actually, I was thinking we weren't going to have a lot to talk about today. But as it turns out, We've managed to scrounge up enough news to probably fill it an hour and a half based on the list. But before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. Zwift is the virtual cycling platform that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. That's actually true. They really do make indoor training fun. I mean, they also connect you to people all over the world. So both of those statements are true. They have everything from structured workouts to training plans to group rides and even races. You can organize a meetup with friends or listen to this podcast while you spin around a volcano. All you need is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a seven-day trial for free, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. That's Zwift with a Z, like a Z, not an S, like, you know, Taylor. Or a Z. Mm, yeah, right. Sorry. If for <laughs> anyone who's not American, it's a Z. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zwift, for sponsoring this episode. Let's uh, let's get into it. We said last time that we would talk a little bit about the 2022 calendar. I was thinking that we would do that because we didn't have a ton of other stuff to talk about, but I think we should talk about it because it came out a couple weeks ago. We didn't have the time on the podcast to discuss it earlier, and Apart from most of the calendar being the same and the races that were canceled or moved around being added back onto the calendar, like the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race and the Tour of Chongming Island, there's also a couple newer races on the calendar, which are pretty exciting. I think the notable ones that we should talk about are Ride London went from being a one-day kind of downtown city, uh, for lack of a better comparison, like Criterium, to being a three-day race, which is going to be pretty awesome, I think. I don't know. What do you guys think about about Ride London up in their days to three? I mean, I'm guessing it's not all going to be in London because that would be virtually impossible right Amy? that would be super expensive being british if they had to, yeah if they had to like <laughs> shut down the roads of london for three days let me just get my hotline to sadiq khan the mayor and i was like yeah uh no um <laughs> I, I imagine not i mean there's a lot of like um 
the Surrey Hills. Um, look, I don't know London at all, but um, there's lots of riding around. I mean, where the Olympics road race was in 2012. Hilly. And um, actually, there's a Zwift course on there. There is. Uh, yeah, with Box so. Hill, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is actually really nice out there. I used to do a bit of um, tour guiding for a company in, in the UK called Just Pedal. And Surrey Hills is quite a nice area to ride. Um, I was really surprised. But, of course, it's not directly in London. For me personally, I always thought it was like the Ride London thing went from this um, very much a criterium in 2013 that I raced. I think Laura Trott actually won it that year after winning the Olympics. And they made like a really big deal out of it. And it was pretty cool, you know, racing in front of Buckingham Palace and whatnot. Um, but it always felt like a bit of kind of like La Course was when it was on the Champs de Lisée, like a show pony sort of thing, like parading the riders around this course. And it was like uh, if you had a sort of break in the calendar, it's you know, a nice weekend to London sort of thing. But it was always a bit awkward in terms of the t- the timing and planning of that race. So I think it's great that it's moved to a three-day race instead of just this circuit race. I never particularly liked it. Um, I found it dangerous and sometimes quite boring. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely positive. I'm just curious as to where they're going to host it. They've also moved it so that it's, I think it used to be in August. Now they've moved it to late May so that it's like just before the women's tour. So that's like quite a nice block of racing. I mean, it makes sense, right, to have them around the same time so that everyone's already there. Um, Yeah. I mean, wasn't it the last edition where there was like a horrific crash at the finish? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like a pile-up. I think the, okay, I will say this. The cool thing about it was, it had epic prize money. I don't know if that continued on after I stopped racing, but it was like a ridiculous sum of money. So you kind of wanted to race it because that was a nice chunk of change to put in your back pocket. Yeah. They even had like mid-race preems and stuff that were like crazy high. Yeah. So maybe they've taken that prize money and actually invested it into a longer race. Mm -hmm. And it's, also now a standalone women's race, I think. They don't have... I think no men's. Are, yeah. yeah. There you go. Mm. UK leading the way. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool that they they moved it to the, the 27th to the 29th of May, and then the women's tour starts the 6th of June. So they've got, you know, a week in between those two races, and usually the women's tour does such a great job of, like hosting teams and figuring out stuff like that, like a really awesome block of of racing for the girls, women. And then after that, we got the the Giro Rosa is back. Giro della Donna is back on the calendar. New name. We won't go into it. We talk about this race so much. I feel like we can just say it's back on the world tour calendar for 2022, period. With a caveat that they have to actually do the live coverage this year that they've promised. Mm. Otherwise, it's not. Which seems fair because, yeah, if you want to get that license, you've got to deliver something this year. But we said it last week, it all comes down to the broadcasters and what happens with them. I'm guessing, is GCN going to be the partner again this year? I wouldn't. Yeah. Pretty much do everything at this point. Yeah. Um, after that, 
is the women's tour de France from the 25th of July to the 20 to the 31st of July. And we've also talked a good bit about this race, how it's right after the men finish. And that is an interesting decision. So we don't really need to get into it again. Um, next on the 9th of August is the battle of the North, which went from a 10 day stage race to only a six day stage race, a little bit of a bummer, but we're so excited to see this on the calendar. I mean, I'm so excited for this race. I think it's going to be amazing. It's kind of, it was supposed to be like a melding of the post Vagarda TTT road race and the tour of Norway. And it kind of turned into, there's still the post Vagarda post nord why am i saying post post nord vagard i'm still saying it wrong so it doesn't even matter <laughs> ttt and road race i like that those are standalone because what i'm seeing when i look at the whole calendar is kind of all of the one day races front loaded into the calendar and then just this string of stage races which is you know not a terrible way to break up the rate the race season it means that people can kind of for lack of a better uh, term shift gears from the one day races into the stage races and, and change their way of racing a little bit. But I do like that there's two one day races breaking up that block of, of stage races. And then we have, um, the GP de Plouet, but under a new name after the battle of the North. So I'm actually, as much as I wanted there to be another 10 day race, and I do want there to be another 10 day race. I like that they've, that they've kept, uh, Postner Brigada as a one day road race and a TTT. It's the only standalone TTT on the calendar now that the world's is like a weird national co-ed thing. Oh yeah, it is. I forgot about that. Yeah. Everyone yeah. does. I don't think people take it too seriously. Yeah. I, I completely forgot. <laughs> so that's going to be here this year, right? The world's the co-ed race thing. Mm-hmm. Huh? interesting yeah. it's been okay. i mean they've had it i think two two years now they didn't have it last know, it sounds year. terrible but i just forgot about it because i think is it at the europeans no I, okay that really sounds bad at the europeans do they do it as well the european yeah, level they maybe do. they took it from there they do do it and i'm pretty sure that the netherlands just win every time like it... yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think didn't the oh no they didn't win the first one was yorkshire right Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Did yes. they do it in Imola last year? This is how memorable and great this is. Okay. Yeah, they just they did it in Yorkshire and I think that was was that the only year that they did it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Oh, yeah. I'll be eating our words again. You know who could really rival the the Dane Dane the Danes? You know who could really rival the Dutch is the Danes. That sentence got switched around somehow. But man, those Danish Riders, they there's some real good riders on there. I guess none of them are like really TT specialists, but like the Dutch are just you know freaks. They have an incredible team pursuit team, so they could almost just like bring those guys over. Hmm. Yeah. If only. But anyway, we digress. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so that's pretty much like what we got on the calendar. I mean, we we ended the season with the Sumac Ladies Tour. Um, in like late August, early September, and the Saratizit Challenge, Madrid Challenge by La Vuelta, which is a four-day race, and uh, and then the one-day race in China. China. I can't speak this morning. I'm getting <laughs> so 
All in all, looking at the calendar, a combination of the added Tour de France and also the races that were canceled this year added back into the calendar, it looks like we're going to have a ton more racing in 2022, which is awesome because we have been harping on about the lack of racing on the women's side, which like the reason I thought we wouldn't have anything to talk about is because there is no racing right now. Um, so it's great that we wait. National championships. Oh, nationals are coming. We're getting there, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any clothing, closing thoughts on the the calendar for next year? I do. We have to represent cycling tips at Battle of the North. Just putting it out there. Kaylee, I know you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> for 18 months or so. No. What am I talking about? It's less than that. It's just every year. What day is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't We're still know. in March, right? What month is it? All right. So moving on. A little bit of old news, but one of our favorite riders signed a new contract for next year. I'm still confused how they were able to announce this so early in the year because aren't there rules about that? However, Lada Kopecky will be going to SD Works for 2022, which is awesome. I mean, she's so good. So I'm really, really excited to see what moving onto a team like SD works where she has a lot more support in the races is going to do. Cause like we saw her in, um, the Bruges de Pana, she was like doing all of her work by herself. And that was the case in a lot of races this year, which I don't think is a knock on live racing. It's just a newer team with less um, resources to be able to support a rider like Kapeki. And she's really shown that she's one of the top racers in the women's Peloton right now. So moving on to SC works where she's going to have, you know, way more support on the road and also way more um, experienced directors. We don't know really know a ton about like the the live racing directors. It's Lars Boom is one of them, although he's moving to SD Works as well. So that is, you know, an interesting development. But just thought we would mention that Kapeki's going to SD Works because that is we talk about her all the time and it seems relevant to keep everyone updated, you know? Yeah, I think it, it makes sense, like given the way she's been riding, um, I think that's a good move for her. Like you say, she'll have much more support. Um, and in, yeah, interesting that Lars Boom and her went across like pretty much at the same time. But yeah, I'm also intrigued as to how that was able to come out now. Um, I mean, I'm not about to go and like scour the UCI rules, but like, it seems early. I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's yeah. like an August 1st rule where you aren't allowed to announce yeah. new transfers until like August first or august 5th or something random i don't know <laughs> whatever well it happened so <laughs> yeah <laughs> um our another one of our favorite riders emma norsgaard has just extended her contract with movistar through 2024 which is another interesting development and um i think great for emma being she's really enjoying that team she's been super vocal about how much she loves the team and being there through the next Olympic cycle. We don't know what the course in Paris is going to look like, but um, having that kind of security in, in a team is great. So 
Emma Norsgaard, Movistar, 2024. I'm curious, speaking of Movistar, how, how much longer um, Anamique will be racing for? I could actually see her going to Paris. I think, yeah, I could as well. I think everyone's Honestly. curious about that. Yeah, and she's um, she's loving that team too. She's just thriving on that. I've been enjoying um, her social media, actually. It seems like she's been doing a lot with her teammates in terms of training and and camps and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think if the environment works, then, of course, you stay there. So I'm sure Emma could have had any number of teams knocking on her door, but it just goes to show that they've got a really good setup and they're probably just going to continue to build. Anamik was just up in Andorra with a handful of the men and the women from from the Movistar team training at altitude, getting ready for the, the national championships, which are her next race and why did i say are her next race i'm struggling with plurals today anyway so she's yeah she's been spending time with the team even though she's not going to race with them again until after the olympics Olympics. no yeah 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 wow before we move (laughs) into talking about the national championships and a little bit more on the racing side there's two other contract things that we can kind of just mention. We, we just mentioned that Lars Boom is joining SD works as a director, which is really interesting because he will be joining, um, Anna Vandebregen as like, she's moving into a directorial role and then Chantal Vandenbroek black after the classic. So that means that SD works has three new directors. And I'm assuming then that Danny Stam, who has been the general manager slash director of that team forever is just going to move into more um, managerial role kind of behind the scenes, which, you know, at a certain point you, I love that for him. (laughs) (laughs) Stop traveling at a certain point, but a lot of firepower on that director side of that team. Yeah, for sure. I'm guessing um, if Anna does move into this role next year, it's not like she's going to be at every race. So she's going to still be learning, I guess, the ropes. Just because you're a great bike rider doesn't necessarily mean that you trans- transition well into that sort of director role. Um, and then Danny will probably, like you said, just be the general manager and go to races in that sort of capacity and I I don't know his personal life situation but I know with Canyon Shram for example Ronnie Lorca was a DS forever and then he's now very much just in that managerial role now because you know he has a wife and a kid and being on the road for 200 days a year or whatever it is can can take its toll you know yeah. Hard pass on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the final news came out just before we started recording that Amber Kroc, who I don't really know a ton about, will join Yumbo Visma on a mid-season contract starting at the national championships, which then rolls us into <laughs> Lauren's favorite topic of the day, the national <laughs> championships. Here's <laughs> uh, Lauren. What you got to say? <laughs> Well, the, the road race in Belgium is on here um, on Sunday. So we can actually finally, as spectators, go out and watch the race in Belgium. Oh, my gosh. I know. 
It's crazy. So I'm planning on going out, I think. They've got like, I believe the way they've structured it is dedicated fan zones where they kind of want people to be. Um, and it's in Waterham. So yeah, I'm going to go check it out on Sunday. That's why I'm so excited. No, I just love national championships because we all know how special it is um, to win that title and then to wear that jersey in Europe, particularly as an Australian or as American coming over for the whole year to race. And then it's special for everyone to have that jersey on your back. Um, it's something that always eluded me but was always a dream. I think it's a dream of every rider. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a dream of every rider. Yeah, it's it's so special when you're traveling around and you don't get to go home a lot. I mean, I think it's different when you are European and you live in Europe. But I know, like Lauren, for us, being away from home for so long, every single time you get to pull on that flag, basically, and represent your country every day, it's it's so special. I know for Ruth, it was something that was just incredibly, incredibly special. The one person that always stands out for me on the U.S. side who like chased that jersey his entire career and finally won it in 2019 was Alex House. Um, he was on the podium like four years in a row or something and didn't win. And then in 2019, he finally won. And it is, it's so special. It's, it's, you get to take like a little piece of home with you everywhere you go. And every race you do before the race, the, if it's a one day, you know, at the start of the race, or if it's a tour, the first day they call up all the national championships and champions, and you get to stand on the line and, you know, hear your name over the loudspeaker. So for everyone, it's, it's so special. I'm, I'm also excited to follow who wins all of the national championships this year. I'm hoping to see, um, Amelia Fallon back in that Swedish Jersey. And yes. I would love to see like, what if Cecily Utrecht Ludwig finally won the national championships? She's, she's one that it's, she's also been, you know, it's eluded her, but she's now won a world tour race. The monkeys off her back. Isn't it incredible? Like she's such an amazing rider, but it's like one race that has eluded her. Um, I always find that really interesting. You see it in a lot of countries, right? Incredible riders that just never get that national championship jersey because mm -hmm. either the depth is is too good or the race is just it's a really unusual race because a lot of riders, um, particularly you could speak for the US go home um, and maybe they're the only American on a world tour team. So then they're by themselves in this race and then they come up against really strong US-based teams. Um, we've seen that happen a few times. In Australia as well, we've had some uh, domestic riders win the championship, which is pretty cool, but it just means the jersey doesn't reach Europe then, which sucks in a way. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's always a really exciting week. Um, for the riders, obviously, the Aussies won't be going for, for their national championships because we already have Sarah Roy. Um, but, yeah. Oh, man, side note and completely unrelated, but speaking of Aussie national champions who came from domestic teams to win out of, the, out of nowhere, Shannon Malseed is pregnant. Yes, I saw that with a boy. Congratulations to Shannon. That's so awesome. 
She retired at the end of last year. She was on Tibco, for anyone who doesn't know. And you can find her on Instagram. She's, I'm going to say life coach, but I know that that's not the word that she uses now. Mm. So it seems like Shannon is transitioning quite nicely into the normal world. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah, a lot of national championships this week. It's going to be awesome. The Dutch national championship is on the Vamberg again, the weird circuit that they do, that they did in the healthy aging tour and also had nationals on last year, which is always like, it was such a fun race to watch last year. So I'm really excited to watch it again this year. A, A lot of the national championships have live coverage. The U.S. national championship has live coverage. That's a weird race. It's like, downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, and then you go over this like incredibly steep climb that is so fun and there's so many people on the road and it's just so much fun. And then you go down that and then you're on a highway and you literally (laughs) do like a hot dog on a highway, which is just such a buzzkill after that climb. Um, But I know that I would love to see Taylor Wiles win that national championship after the Olympic selection. And also she's, she's another one who's been really fighting for it for her entire career and has never won it. And she's been so, 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 so close. So the course doesn't suit her a ton, but I think with Ruth having just worn the national championship Jersey for two years and having made the Olympic team that they will I would not be surprised to see them both go all in for Taylor at the race. And I am biased, but they will. It It is such an interesting situation, the Nationals, because, yeah, like you said, Lauren, it's like two World Tour riders on the same team, which is rare. Usually there's just ones, ones and ones. And then you've got like rally cycling shows up with six riders and DNA shows up with eight riders and all the local all the uh local teams local to the u.s which is quite large show up with tons of riders and it's like this really weird dynamic where i was so so impressed with corinne rivera when she won in 2018 she did have ruth as a teammate but when you know it's it's so weird for them to show up to these races after having a full team behind them and then they have to race you have to really change your entire mindset going into the race. Cause it's such a different, um, racing style to anything that you've done all year. It's like being a junior again. Yeah, exactly. But like, for example, for someone like Taylor who works her ass off for a team all year and then is given an opportunity, say at nationals, it's hard to sometimes just switch. You know, you have it so engaged that you're working for someone else that you're given this, say, leadership opportunity and it's it takes a moment to sort of, I don't know, switch that mindset. doesn't happen overnight, that's for sure. But, yeah, I, w- I would love to see her get that win. She's been on the podium a couple of times in both, I think, the TT and the road race. So one of those riders who is definitely has the capability to do do it but it's just dependent it's always dependent on the course and the race situation mm-hmm. the alice barnes is going to be wearing the uh british national champs jersey for the rest of the season though because the here they're not having uh they're not having nationals until october oh wow so one of the countries that have postponed the nationals until canada has also postponed their nationals until september 
Oh, that's odd though. No? September? I think it's, well, they also, like, both of the men's world tour races in Canada just got cancelled. So I think they're not doing as well with as the U.S. with the vaccine rollout and um, as far as having people fly over from Europe for those world tour races, they didn't want to do that. And I think they're kind of just postponing most races until later in the year slash canceling. I'm pretty sure they canceled the women's UCI race that happens. Um, Gatineau? Gatineau, yeah. Gatineau, yeah. Yeah. I think they canceled that one as well, so sad. Um, Has the Olympic team been announced for Canada? Was Mm -hmm. that like something that happened a while ago? I'm pretty sure it's Caroline Canuel and uh, Leah Kirchman. Oh, no, Alison Jackson. She's Canadian, no? She is. Yeah. Yeah. Hard okay. to line up, hard to stack up against Caroline Kenuel and, and Leah, Leah Richmond. They've been racing for such a long time, and they're also, like, really <laughs> interestingly in the same boat as Taylor Wiles, where they're always racing for their teammates. Those two, ne- like, never, ever get to race for themselves, really. Leah Kirchman is kind of always there when Lorena Weebus is racing and as her right hand, you know? So for those two, it's going to be a whole new experience for them. Well, not really. They race together at the Worlds and everything where they get to race for themselves, but the Olympics is the Olympics. So that'll be interesting. It is It's so- fascinating they didn't take Allison Jackson. I think she's just n- newer to the sport, and so they went with experience over that the thing is with leah is um she's a rider with so much potential but like we've seen with sunweb some riders into that team she had a phenomenal first year with them in 2016 where she was a top 10 in the Giro rosa Mm -hmm. she won a bunch of races she even won a stage i think at the Giro. um and then by 2017 they brought in a bit more firepower like corinne and then it just sort of shifted and we didn't see her on the podium so much anymore. And yeah, then over time. She was second at La Course even one year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Speaking of Lorena Weba, she won the Diamond Tour last week. So she's. The seventh win, I think, for DSM now. And I'm guessing. Yeah, and they're all Lorena Weba. Yeah, so. I think we spoke about it months ago, how um, it felt like we didn't have so many sprinter-friendly races or there weren't going to be so many bunch kicks. But uh, every almost every bunch kick there's been, it seems like Weebers has been up there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how that form carries over into kind of the later season races that we have coming up, that there are a couple World Tour races in the later season that are a lot better suited to sprinters. Like the, the Madrid challenge usually is a bunch, always a bunch sprint. So she hasn't won a world tour race yet this year, but she's clearly riding really well or sprinting really well. There is Lotto Belgium tour. Mm. There's a few, few opportunities as well. I think I don't have no idea who's racing that actually there's like, not really a start list, but yeah. But if it's if you think it's going to come down to a sprint in any way, shape, or form, you send Lorena Weebus at this point. Yeah, yeah. You can expect SD Works, Live, um, Jumbo, 
any sort of dot Dutch orientated teams are probably going to be showing up to that race. I know Mitchell and Scott are coming. No, they're not Mitchell and Scott anymore. Who da? Jesus, team who Jesus, Lauren. <laughs> Moving on. We're back on. We're back on to talking about. I'm pretty sure Lauren, you put this in here, but I agree that we should mention that Leona. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Look. Oh, Luana. Luana Lecomte. <laughs> Fancy. Has I, I'm pretty list. sure I can't speak French. So anyone listening to this who speaks even an ounce of French will be like, no. But I just said it in a Dutch way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounded great to me. It did sound really good. She's won the last three mountain bike World Cups in a row at 21 years old. That is wild and so impressive. So impressive. And the fact that. You know how we spoke about the Olympics shifting one year and what a difference that could make to certain athletes, particularly these young rising ones or the ones who've just been like on the cusp. This is a rider that it's just timed perfectly. I mean, I don't want to jinx her or anything, but going into the Olympics, how could you not look past her? And Yolanda Neff just broke her hand. Which is very, very sad. Mm -hmm. I think one, I don't know when the mountain biking events is on, but I mean, we're literally a month out almost from the games now. So, which is crazy. (laughs) But yes, mountain biking, um, World Cups, really been enjoying watching them um, live, which is really cool. Uh, They're on par with. I think it's it's been quite equal with the men for years now, mountain biking in, in terms of coverage, kind of mm-hmm. like cyclocross. So Yeah, thanks to Red Bull. Really yep. like Red Bull's done such amazing things for mountain bike. They're like really bringing for a couple of years there cross country mountain biking had really like slipped out of popularity, but with Red Bull they're bringing it back and it's people are getting into it again, which is so awesome. Because it's amazing. It's such an amazing yeah. event. It's so much fun. Well, I think Vanderpool, when he raced um, the last World Cup, he was interviewed and he, he thinks mountain biking is by far the hardest discipline that he does. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, there's so much technical stuff that you have to be able to do that is just doesn't apply to road racing and barely applies to cross. Like, of course, you need to know how to corner and stuff for cross and how to ride through sand. And I, and that's not easy at all. But mountain biking, like seeing some of the stuff that they ride down and ride up, holy moly, it is so crazy. I just feel like having done quite a bit of mountain biking, I mean, obviously not at the moment, it's just you're never switched off, right? Like mentally and physically, there's you're never turned off. In road racing, say you just climb an epic hill or a mountain, you always get that reprieve when you have the downhill or you're in the peloton and you're in the slipstream. You know, it's like constant peaks and troughs, which is the same with mountain biking, but the gas is actually just always on. Even when you're descending, because it's so technical and everything, you're out of the saddle, muscles are a bit tensed, like you're never resting. So I can understand how racing mountain biking just must be so freaking hard i was just gonna say that's what makes it so great to watch because it's like short and intense and you can see how technical it is and there's like an element of peril um and it's on a circuit which means that 
even if you actually went to physically watch it, like it's great to watch as well because it's not just like a road race where you stand on the side of a mountain for hours and hours and see people for approximately 30 seconds and then that's it. Um, which is obviously great in its own way, but it's just a good spectator sport as well, which is, I think, why it's okay. grown so much. It's a brilliant spectator sport. Obviously, I'm working in mountain biking now, so I'm a little bit biased about it, but there needs to be far more investment in trail access um, to allow for more sustainable growth. America is great. You've got so many options over there, but it's a bit more difficult here in Europe just with all the, you know, the forestry acts and everything like that. Um, But, yeah, mountain biking, I could talk about it for a hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's a like just to kind of tie it into road racing it's yet another example of how longer races do not make for more exciting races and yep like Kaylee really really early on this year on the cycling tips podcast the regular weekly one put me on the spot and asked me about if there should be a woman, a women's uh, Milan San Remo. And my immediate response was absolutely not <laughs> like, no, there are like two women in the Peloton who would be like, yeah, that sounds fun. But yeah. As far as watching that, like, I don't even want to watch the men's race. There's literally a website called is Milan San Remo exciting yet.com. Yeah. Oh, really? I love that website. Oh, that's great. It's so great. I, <laughs> I love that you would know that, Amy. <laughs> I only found it out this year that someone sent it, and I was like, I mean, what does this say about that? Like, this is very apt. And then it didn't even, it was like six Ks to go. It was like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll tune in. <laughs> yeah, but everyone, you literally check Twitter, and you're like, all right, they're almost at the podio. I'm going to go turn on the TV now. Mm-hmm. Like you only watch the last 10K. Yeah. And then I feel so sad for those poor domestiques that have probably been out there for 290 kilometers or something. No one's been watching them. And then we all go settle in just for the last 10Ks essentially. But I mean, there's, there's history behind the race for the men. So I understand why it's still iconic, but there's no place for it in the women's calendar. And I, you're spot on Abby. I don't think anyone really wants to do that i mean there's a bunch of these endurance riders now that just go out on a saturday morning and punch out 300 kilometers like it's nothing these days um so they'd probably enjoy it speaking of the women uh oh no this is going to just go off topic we won't go there (laughs) no but like you don't have to um, put this in the podcast the madrid no that woman who she just rode 490 kilometers at an average of 30.2. Did you see that? She won sorry, the what? trans um, cycling. I think it was Cycling Weekly put it up. She won one of those like trans, one of the crazy distance races. And there was meant to be something this week, one of those things. But she decided to just go and ride 490 kilometers solo at a speed of 30.2, which for me is, it's actually mind boggling. No? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how these fucking people do it. I mean, the whole <laughs> thing is flat, right? Like, 
she was riding on the flats the whole time, right? Yes, please tell us she was. I don't know, but you need to look it up after this. I just um, can't get my head around those events. Like, uh, let's not even, let's not. Also, I really hope that you can't hear my stomach rumbling. I hope my mic's not picking that up. Okay. No. Okay. okay. That's great. <laughs> Are you hungry? Just by the way, what are you wearing, Abby? What? <laughs> I thought you were talking to me. I was like, what? This is my yeah, what is that? shirt. Yeah, have you seen the You Belong With Me music video? Oh, that's I'm, so I cute. I made it myself. You made Amazing. it yourself? I did. So Amy screenshotted and put it on your Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that was so funny. I was like, they're going to hate me for this. pop shields that's what they're for right (laughs) Uh, okay anyway moving on speaking of long races which this was so funny at the giro last year when they had the really long stage and everyone just was like that sucked Mm -hmm. (laughs) even the winner we don't need longer stages we just need Mm -mm. more racing that doesn't mean more racing on the same day that there's already a race. It just means more <laughs> racing on different days. Anyway, not the point. And Amanda Bregan, uh, in a completely different direction than Anami Van Vluten, which we talked about last week, will be racing the Giro in preparation for the Olympics, which defending champion last year racing the Giro, unfortunately, still an iconic race. So... I mean, who knows? We we have to like maintain a little bit of hope. Not the point. Anna Vanderbregen will be racing the Giro this year, which I think just goes to show that even though the race isn't World Tour and even though the race is right before the Olympics, it's still going to field a pretty impressive roster of women. Yeah, For sure. It's still got the it's still got the name, right? It's not World Tour, but like we've said it before, it's still the Giro. Mhm. You know, um, it'd be hard not to go online up there. And I know years previously, a lot of riders use that as their last race um, in preparation for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's so long as well. It's just like it's, it is the most challenging race on the calendar and they want to be challenged. And like, you know, if, if you build it, they'll come kind of thing. So that's why... Yeah, there was kind of hope that when it was demoted, there'd be something to replace it on like a better, on a bigger scale. I don't know. But um, let's just, ho- yeah, let's just hope they can actually do justice. Yeah. This I year. mean, it'll be cool to see Anna racing it. I think with her racing it, it's, I have mixed feelings about her racing it and Van Vluten not racing it just because it's going to be hard for anyone to beat Vandebregen, judging by how she's been this season, which makes for a little bit of a boring slash unfortunate race situation. But I think from what we've seen of the Peloton so far this year, there are so many women who are just right on the cusp of being able to compete with Vandebregen and Van Vluten, and when it comes to the Giro this year, I mean, they're they're all going to be on Olympic form. So it's going to be, if there's ever a time where I think that the Giro's just going to be so, so, so exciting, it's going to be this year. I feel like, though, if, if you look at the history of the Olympics and, and the Giro, um, 
like in the year of the Olympic year, it's like, I don't know, it's like leading up to the world championships. You want to get in a couple of races beforehand to show your competitors that like I'm here, I'm on form, like watch out in a way. Um, and that confidence, I mean, obviously Adamique doesn't need that and part of her her training um, plan is to probably just like you said last time, Abby, avoid any situation where she could crash um, and potentially miss out on performing at the Olympics. But it's, I think it's definitely got to do with, yeah, a bit of confidence, racing in the legs. Some riders need a lot of racing before big events. Some riders need to just chill out a bit more. So it will be super exciting. I think we'll see, again, a lot of those younger riders that we saw last year um, shining again, I hope. Yeah. All right. Ended up being a long episode or our usual length, but really quick before it's over. Someone on Slack asked about how Chloe Hosking was doing after she got COVID in April. And she just did an interview with Cycling News where she explained that she had um, heart complications relating to to COVID-19, the periocarditis. Um, Swelling. Yeah, and she had to take three months off. She's halfway through the three months as of the interview, which was, I think, either yesterday or earlier this week. But she's hoping to return to racing in October, which is, well, I hope she can. That's awful. I mean, we know that there are complications. Other people have also had complications. So really a bummer for Chloe, especially given that she's been on kind of a roller coaster of seasons through like Ali Cipollini and then on to rally last year and then back into the world tour this year with Trek. And uh, we spoke earlier in the season about how we hoped that she would have a good year this year. And this is just such a big bummer. So um, that is an update on Chloe Hosking. Has she gone back to Australia now to, to rest and be at home or is she still here? I'm pretty sure she's still in Europe because I think the it's probably not easy to just go home as well. Yeah, the 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 um quarantine restrictions and everything to go back into Australia and then having to leave again, I think it's pretty complicated. Although yeah. that if she is just hanging out in Europe, that is such a bummer. It's like just so brutal if you're over if you're in Europe to be racing your bike and you're away from home and you're away from your family and your friends and you can't race your bike it's like what am I doing here but it just um yeah it just goes to show with COVID that it doesn't matter if you're a world-class athlete like we still don't know what the the side effects are of it or the long-term effects um before the call I was saying how I know a rower from Belgium who who got it in November, him and his double partner. So they're in the double in the lightweight. And um, the the partner was fine. And then he suffered with problems with his lungs for six months. And only now, like, he's coming good, thank God, because they're going to the Olympics. But it was like a real shock to the system. He didn't expect it either, being an elite athlete as well. So... Yeah, hope the best for, for Chloe. And, um, you know, there are a bunch of races at the end of the year, so it could work in her favour where people as well are just burnt out and 
and tired and want a bit of a rest. It's a big year with, with just everything that's happening. And then you've got the Olympics and the worlds and by October, there'll be people who are cracked, I'm sure. So plus um, the women's tour being moved to October, like that, that race usually has some bunch sprints and stuff in it. Yeah. And Chloe is actually a very diverse rider who, when she wants to climb, she can climb as well. So in those really hard, sprinty stages where sometimes maybe the pure sprinters like Lorena Weber's might not get through it. Chloe will be there. She's also got a contract until 2022 with Trek. So she doesn't have to worry about that, mm-hmm. which is good, which shows how important that is. Yeah, exactly. And it seemed like that would never put pressure on her. I think they've had a number of riders over the short period of time that Trek, the women's team has existed and, I think even with, with Abby, she was injured or sick, Loretta. Um, they really back their riders, so. Heck, even when they found out Abby was pregnant, they still paid her through the, through the rest of the season and everything. Yeah. Which speaks volumes about that team. Yeah. All right. Before we sign off, keep in mind that Zwift is used by riders like the Canyon SRAM team and SD Works' Ashley Moomin Passio to keep their game at the top level. One of my favorite things is seeing how many people from all over the world can be riding at once. And personally, I go for the structured workouts to make the time fly by. Not that it's needed with Zwift. There's always something to look at. So visit Zwift.com, Zwift with a Z. And hopefully I'll see you. (laughs) Hopefully I'll see you on the road soon. Keep an eye out for the cycling tips kit in the Watopia. And Watopia is my favorite world, although I do like the new one, the island. Mm, And if you can't have a coffee date with your best friend in another country, you can just do it on Zwift. You can. It's true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's all we got for today. Thank you both so much for joining me. And uh, we will be back next week to talk about national championships and trying to get used to everyone who's won a national championship being in a different kit. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.